baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. It is time. The game we were all pretty much hoping for would matter in week 17 is almost here. And our big week 17 Bears Packers preview episode is here, Adam. I don't think some Bears fans are happy that it matters, though. You get my. Oh, like they, like they wanted this to keep. No, no. Well, there's there, there, there's some of those, but then there's some who really wanted this game to be one played against Packers backups. Oh, but it would the, still matter. They, honestly, I, yeah. Honestly, it would make that loss even worse. <laughs> oh, he went there, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for coming to our Bears podcast. <laughs> Just get that shot out of the way early, I guess. Uh, it's come on. You've covered enough of these Bears Packers game. No, I, I get the anxiety. I, you, I get you, the, you know the trep- feelings of trepidation. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like I'm, I'm trying to think like you know like what it compares to. Like I don't know for like movies when like the like the, the crazy villain is after you in one of those horror movies or something. Like, and you know what the ending is? You can't get away. But it is good. It matters, though, man. It is I do, good. I do have some optimistic things to say, actually, in this podcast about this matchup and some changes from the, the ugly Week 12 game when they played uh, each other at Lambeau Field. Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Johns, he's on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe if you're not already. Happy New Year to everyone. I think we are all very, very happy to see this 2020 disaster end. Um, I don't know if I will be awake tonight at midnight or not because every single year that goes by, that tends to, the likelihood of me being awake at midnight seems to go down. How's that work? I'll be asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously or like be moaning that i can't fall asleep in bed at, at around midnight <laughs> there you go um well wherever you are hopefully you're as happy as i am that 2020 is over and uh, happy new year to all of our listeners we we greatly appreciate you and how you stuck with us through this weird crazy season uh and how this whole thing ends on sunday at soldier field well, that's what we're here to talk about. One thing uh, that I know we want to touch on right at the beginning, we're going to talk to Matt Schneidman. You heard him a few weeks ago, covers the Packers for The Athletic, and he'll join us here shortly. But the uh, it was kind of a big Mitch Trubisky day yesterday at House Hall. First of all, he gets the, uh, the good guy award from us, uh, the award that is handed out by the Chicago chapter of the Pro Football Writers Association uh, to the member of the organization that basically shows professionalism and, and uh, handling media obligations and helping us do our jobs. And I thought Mitch Trubisky was a, uh, a deserving winner of that award. Uh, he earned my final ballot cast 
uh, when it was all said and done. And then uh, Matt Nagy also had some nice things to say about Trubisky. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, oh, first of all, same here. He got my vote as well. To to me, it goes back to Week Three when he talked after his benching. Like I, I was surprised that he was on that Zoom call. To be honest with you, um, before I Nick Foles too. too, actually, right? Like, like wow. And I guess the story goes that he actually was willing and, and semi volunteered for it. You know, he's always understood what the quarterback position means in the NFL. Always. I don't know if he was always enthusiastic to meet us after every loss, but he understood the responsibilities, so he did earn uh, my last vote. Um, Eric from PR also got a vote for me at one point. So Me too. Um, yeah. And I, I want to also point out that I actually nominated Nick Foles at the beginning too because I thought Nick, you know, as bad as things were going, he also from day one of coming here to Chicago, you could tell that he'd been around and knows how to handle the media and, when he had a question that he couldn't ask, he would tell us, you know, that he couldn't a- a- answer that question. Um, but so I, but I thought Trubisky in the end des- deserved it because he was more candid this year and um, just he handled that part of his job the right way. Yeah, and he's been more candid, especially as of late since he returned yeah. to the uh, to the starting lineup. And you hear, I don't know. It's tough to describe just the differences in him because he does have his his, his occasional cliches, but there is more. I don't know. Let's call it purpose behind his words, and he's more assertive with his words with us, which means, which tells me he's probably considerably more assertive with his coaches right now. I think some of those coaches have relayed that message a couple times. To go back to what you asked about Matt Nagy or said about Matt Nagy, yes, I thought it was pretty important to hear him actually give Mitch Trubisky credit, like and saying he deserves a lot of credit for this turnaround. And, you know, usually you get some coaches speak about how, you know, this involves everybody. But let's be honest, with what Mitch Trubisky has been through, for him to be playing this well, to have this game be meaningful against the Packers, a lot of this credit belongs to Mitch Trubisky for making the Bears relevant here on December 31st with the chance to go to the playoffs against the Packers on Sunday. Yeah, and I and I keep – it's going to be an endless debate um, – and our attempts at trying to find the middle ground are probably never going to be successful. <laughs> I, I still, yeah, I wrote about it this week in, in my 10 bears things. And then every day on Twitter, it's the same endless conversation trying to, to argue between whether or not Mitch is ever going to be great or if he's a bust. And it's just like, we have four years now. He's, he's probably somewhere in the middle and, you know, you scheme for him the right way. He's he's going to be able to win you games. Is it always going to be pretty? No. Um, and in fact, I want to correct one thing I said earlier this week because part of uh, my work this week is I spent a lot of time rewatching the Week Twelve game. I thought you were going to say cleaning up what you said all week, but okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, that too. That happens a lot. Yeah. Um, I think I said that I thought Mitch played pretty well in that game. He didn't play well in that game. And I think uh, I was so maybe caught up a little bit in the changes in the offense and the overall offensive improvements that you did see sign of, signs of in that game. But Mitch actually um, obviously made the couple the, the turnovers really hurt. He had the shot downfield uh, in the double coverage. He had the fumble, which he's obviously got to go hold on to the ball. So there were mistakes made. Enough, and then there were some errant throws too. But as you pointed out when we were having that conversation, I think on Tuesday, 
you know, it was his first game back. And he, I guess some of it was understandable, and he's corrected a lot of that stuff since. I think the, the most encouraging signs were was just that first drive. Like, you almost wonder how different the game may have played out if Allen Robinson catches that jump ball in the end zone or Cole Clement finishes that catch at the one-yard line. If the game plays out a bit differently, I don't, I'm not saying they win, but yeah. maybe they don't get their butts kicked <laughs> like they did. But you're right. Like I didn't think he played well. I think the expectation that he wasn't going to play well. But since then, he's been considerably better in every single game, every single possession, really, since that Packers loss. Well, this is probably a good uh, way to bring in our, our friend Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for The Athletic, who's joining us now. Because, Matt, we're trying to, at, at least I have been this week, you know, looking back at that game at Lambeau last month, which was obviously a disaster for the Bears and, and probably one of the Packers' better wins of the season. Um, and, and trying to, I guess, find ways that the Bears can close that gap. Of course, that's always the story between the Bears and Packers, it feels like. Um, but I wrote about the defense yesterday, and I honestly kind of forgotten that Keem Hicks didn't play in that game. So there's <laughs> there's an obvious uh, a boost that the Bears might get. Um, but also, you know, what kind of changes they can make defensively to the point where, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just looked like a surgeon in that game, carving up the Bears. Whatever coverage they were in, he had an answer for it. And you've been covering this offense all season. I remember talking about it going into that game, Matt, that – you know, this, the way that he's in sync with Matt LaFleur's system, it seems like that's been the theme for most weeks where he's got an answer for everything. Yeah, what's interesting is, and you said it, Akeem Hicks coming back, you know, can't be understated. Rogers talked about it yesterday with us. That's that's huge for them because in that game, if I remember correctly, they pretty much ran up the gut. They didn't run much of their outside zone stuff. They knew where the weakness was, so they ran it right up the gut. I'm interested to see if that changes, but... It was interesting because the Carolina Panthers have really been the only team that's been able to to stop Devontae Adams and really frustrate him this season. And Rodgers said after that game, which was a Week 15 Saturday night game when the Packers won 24-16 and Devontae had like seven catches for 42 yards or something. First game in nine games, he didn't have a touchdown. And they didn't single cover him all game, maybe once. I don't know if the Bears could afford to do that, but do you guys see – any way the Bears can can employ a similar defensive strategy and how they would do that to kind of slow Devontae down because that's the key to kind of slowing down this Packers offense because as everyone knows, it starts and stops with 12 and 17. I don't know. Um, they don't wrote – the Bears are different from a, a lot of teams, especially ones that play man in, in that Kyle Fuller stays on one side of the field. Here's your Pro Bowl cornerback, and he just stays – on one side of the field, and that could be the criticism of him. But early on, it worked because he had Jalen Johnson, the rookie, playing pretty well on the other side. But now Jalen Johnson hasn't played in the past two weeks because of a shoulder injury. Um, I don't think he's going to play this week. It would be very surprising if he does. So you're going to have two other young guys out there, Kendall Veldor and Duke Shelley, who I, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers has seen <laughs> in them over the past couple of weeks, but I'm sure he likes his matchup with Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting because even if it's double coverage, Devontae can get open and something they've done way more of this season with Devontae is use him in, in pre-snap motion. And that's really helped uh, the Packers free him of double teams that they weren't able to free him of last year. They didn't really use, they really only used Tyler Irvin, their return man in pre-snap motion last year. And Devontae has been doing a lot more of that. And, you know, 
I really have to dissect the tape to see how much it helps, but I'll take Aaron Rodgers' word for it in saying that it's kind of helped free him up, even when teams do double-team him. The Panthers, you know, Aaron Rodgers called it kind of a, a strange defensive scheme because they have Phil Snow, who was Matt Rule's DC at Baylor, kind of bringing that three-three-five uh, defensive formation to the NFL. So it's something Rodgers hadn't really seen this season. But I'm interested to see what the Bears do because – as you guys know, you can't really afford to single cover Adams all game. No, no. Sp- speaking of, of of scheme, I wanted to ask you about the Titans game a little bit because that got away from from Tennessee and just, I guess overall, the Bears now have similar similar philosophies. They they want to run the ball, they want to get the play ga- play action game, boot game going off of that, and the Packers had an answer for the Titans and the best running back in the game. So I'm curious, was was that? Like, how much was the snow a factor in that one with, with Tennessee coming north? and Or was it scheme? Was it the Packers' defense, like you wrote about earlier this week, really having an answer for what the Titans wanted to do? I would say it's more of the latter. I think the snow certainly has an effect, and anyone who says no home field advantage, you know, the snow's cliche, not really. Because if you get a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who and AJ Brown said before the game he'd never played in snow. Like it does make a difference. Devontae Adams is used to cutting on routes in snow. Aaron Rodgers is used to throwing in snow. It's not just something you can go in and do. With Derrick Henry so much, I don't know how much that affected him because you're you're still running the ball. You're not making too hard of a cuts, but I would say it was more the Packers just flying around to the ball and, and the way they tackled. Their tackling has been very subpar this season. Derrick Henry's the best in the world at breaking tackles. You know, they probably missed a couple tackles, but it wasn't where he was turning five-yard gains into 15-yard gains. It was He was turning three-yard gains into four-yard gains or five-yard gains. Like, it was very, very minor stuff. They hit him early. You know, I go back to the NFC Championship game last year. The 49ers had 186 of their 225 rushing yards before contact. Packers couldn't even get a body on Raheem Mostert. They got bodies on Derrick Henry early, whether it was rookie linebacker Kamal Martin, nose tackle Kenny Clark, one of the Smiths on the edge. They slowed him down early, which was important, and they really committed to stopping the run. Yeah, they knew there was a chance uh, that Tannehill could burn them on play action, and you saw that on his 45-yard read option touchdown where your guy, Adrian Amos, is still looking at Derrick Henry who doesn't have the ball after Ryan Tannehill is already running past him. So that was the one time they kind of fell for it. But for the most part, hats flying to the ball. I know that's a cliche term, but they really gang tackled Derrick Henry and really did a nice job. Uh, You know, it's 98 rushing yards, but for a guy that was averaging 120, that's not bad. Uh, You guys should be following Matt Schneidman on Twitter, at Matt Schneidman, and check out his Packers podcast, Head of the Pack, um, for the Packers side of things, if you want to check that out this week. Question is right now, Matt, how is this game being viewed in Green Bay? Because, you know, in Chicago, we know how this ends. Come on. <laughs> right? I, I mean, I think the, I think the fans... I think the Everybody's fans, <laughs> bracing themselves for pain in and Chicago. It's, it's, it's most likely, especially because this is, uh, you know, what happened last time, and this one's in Chicago, it's, it'll, it'll be a, probably a closer game, and it'll be a game in the fourth quarter, and then Aaron Rodgers will do something to, to just rip the, the, the hearts out of uh, Bears fans. Is that the... So on, on the... The Green Bay side of things, like is that the this 
do they have like that same that confidence where they just or put it this way are you guys just like waiting for the moment where Aaron Rodgers puts the knife in the bears <laughs> I I I the kill so so the Rams have to beat the Cardinals and the Bears are in regardless correct correct okay the Rams are starting John Wolford and the Cardinals are starting Kyler Murray. So I don't know how that's going to go. But Matt LaFleur has said it every time he's talked to us this week. This is a playoff game for us, for them, because the Packers still have to win to secure the number one seed. And they need the Seahawks to lose. Um, Seahawks to lose or the Packers to win. But the Seahawks are playing the 49ers who are starting C.J. Beathard. So the Packers need to try and win this game or else they could be in danger of falling to the three seed. Um, if the Saints and Seahawks both win, because I believe the Packers are third in that pecking order if all three of those teams end up 12 and four. So there is big incentive for them to win. Um, we were talking to Aaron Rodgers yesterday. I know Fishbane is writing about the, the 2013 game, and I watched some of that back yesterday because I was I was st- still a freshman in college then, so I didn't really remember it that well. Come but, on. <laughs> um, you kind of have that that sense that, you know, here comes big bad Aaron Rodgers, future Bears starting quarterback to put the the nail in the coffin one more time. But I don't know. Something tells me, and maybe it's just Matt LaFleur's coach speak, but he seems a, a lot more wary about this Bears offense this time around. And yeah, the Packers just held the Titans to 14, but this Bears offense is humming. And maybe the the fortunes could be reversed. This is would you guys say this is Mitch's biggest audition for next year's starting job. I just feel there's something in the air different. Yeah. I still think the Packers win, but I don't know if it's going to be that easy. Yeah. Trubisky is in the best stretch. I would say of, of, of his career, at least this type of production like this, the bears offense has just done something for the first time since 1965, which I don't care who you're playing. That's a stat like that. Yeah. That is something <laughs> significant. Like since that, since that's since the rookie years, of Gail Sayers and Dick Buckus. That's it just blows your mind a little bit just if you think about the historical context of what they just achieved offensively. And you're right, like Trubisky is playing well. My concern is the defense. Like you go back to that like twenty thirteen game, like Jay Cutler, you can make the argument outplayed Aaron Rodgers for the majority of that game. No it's, doubt. And it still wasn't enough. It's the Packers scoring the final two touchdowns. It's the Bears' defense blowing it. And I think that's some of the fear here right now in Chicago where, okay, maybe Trubisky will play well. But this Bears' defense five weeks ago got their butts kicked. So that I think that's – at least that's my lingering thought going into this game You know, as, as we preview it. And that's one of the things that we're – we keep going back to Matt. It's just how different this conversation is from when we <laughs> talked to you a, a month ago. Because it's just uh, it, the turnaround really on both sides of the ball has been been pretty crazy. That now the defense is the concern. But going back to what you said about Trubisky, like this is a this is a I don't know if he's ever going to win over the fan base or at least the the portion of the fan base that's just never going to get over the fact that they traded those draft picks to 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 pick him number two. Um, but man, you think about the opportunity to to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Week 17 to get in the playoffs, I, I mean, that would be huge for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of it. Uh, of course, on the other side of it, it could go horribly wrong, and then that kind of seals his fate probably. Yeah, I mean, you guys have your finger on the pulse of the Bears fan base way better than I do, but I'd think if they get 
if he is able to lead them to a, a win and a playoff spot over the Packers, maybe that that softens some of the feelings about about earlier this season. But yeah, I'm really interested to see it. The Packers have had three. This is a next gen stats special, but three of their four best pressure rates in the last month. You know, the Smiths are really starting to bring it together. Rashawn Gary, their, their 2019 first round pick out of Michigan. I know Mitch is a guy who can create on the run, but if he's forced to create outside the pocket because of necessity rather than by design, I think that could that could cause some problems, and that's, I think, where everything starts for the Packers' defense. Speaking of pressure, I don't think the Bears hit Aaron Rodgers once in that Week 12 matchup. Definitely didn't sack him. I don't think they had a quarterback hit. So th- there's a lot of angst in Chicago about Chuck Pagano's future, even if Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and Mr. Trubisky – uh, return they they probably want more return and all the, their investment on defense. So let me ask you this before we go: Aaron Rodgers this year compared to last year. This this Packers team this year compared to last year because they were good. They won what thirteen and three last yep. year. Like how would you describe how they feel different for you, Aaron Rodgers, in, in this team this time around as opposed to what they were doing last year? Yeah. It was funny because Rodgers was asked that exact question yesterday. You know, the records are the same. You're 12 and three going in. They were going into Detroit last year where they had to win to lock up a first round bye. Um, but last year, and Rodgers has used the term ugly wins a lot. They were winning games ugly last year. There weren't really any pretty wins. I mean, you guys remember it was 10 3 in week one. And then I think it was 21 15 or 21 13 in the second time they played at Lambeau, like they, th- these guys never convinced anybody that they were a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. They got to the NFC championship game, but you just knew the 49ers were going to blow their doors off. They, they weren't overing power, overpowering people on offense. Their defense was winning more games. And Rogers asked yesterday, like, how does this year feel different? He said, it doesn't really, but I'll give you the answer that you're really looking for. You know, we're, we're not winning games ugly. We're, our offense is in sync you know, we're winning games convincingly and a win is a win. Yeah. But the way you win games is, is good for, you know, the mojo, the confidence. And I think the biggest difference and, and I've been asked this a lot. Yeah. Year two is so cliche. You hear, Oh, year two in the offense, but I don't remember if I've said this on your guys show before, but last year, the Packers had to take a lot of either delay of game penalties or burn timeouts late in the play clock because Matt LaFleur's offense is so wordy, so much more wordier wordier than Mike McCarthy's. The play calls are much longer. And Aaron Rodgers, even Aaron Rodgers needed time to get used to that. This offseason, even over Zoom, they were able to condense some of the verbiage of the offense, you know, simplify some of the play calls. So Aaron Rodgers now, instead of scrambling to understand what Matt LaFleur is saying in his ear, has a lot more time pre-snap to dissect the defense, uh, audible out of certain plays he doesn't like. And, you know, do what Aaron Rodgers does best is, is to find out ways to exploit the defense. So I think giving him that freedom, that leeway pre-snap uh, because a year or two in the offense has been the biggest difference um, and as what led, has led to the Packers having statistically at least the best offense in the league. Well, Matt, if the uh, Bears do find a way to win this game, there's a decent chance we'll be talking to you again next week. I'd love it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That would be interesting. Uh, thanks so much, Matt. Make sure you check out uh, his coverage on The Athletic this week and follow him on Twitter at Matt Schneidman. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Matt. 
All right, we're going to keep things rolling here. As uh, It's always good to catch up with Matt Schneiman and get his side of things. Uh, um, great coverage on, on the, the Packers from his standpoint. And, well, John's a... I think it's time to really dive into this game, even more than we already have, with our three big questions. All right. Number one, how much of Mitch Trubisky's recent success will carry over against the better defense this week? I think a lot of it will, because I I think I've been pretty consistent over this run here over the last month, that I think a lot of this, and I, I don't mean to discredit anything Trubisky's done, I I think this is always what he should have been playing in. And I think a lot of this success has to do with the scheme. I think a lot of it has to do with them putting him in good positions. Um, you know, I was talking to one non-Bears coach recently who said, you know, they're running as much of a college offense as any team in, in the NFL is right now. And, and, and I found that really interesting, but it's... You know why? Why do you think the guy had? I know he didn't win a ton of games in college, but why do you think he looked the way he did when he was in North Carolina, right? And I and I know that everybody wish and dream that he could come to the NFL and run a super high flying NFL offense. And you know we're we're four almost four years into this thing now, and and I just think that right now they have conceded what he can't do. And are trying to accentuate the things he can do, and that's what you do in, in coaching, and it's working. So yes, I understand it's been against weaker defenses. The Packers' defense, though, um, is not bad. It's not elite, but it's not bad. And this started against the Packers. I know Mitch didn't necessarily play well, but the offense started moving the football. They started running the ball more, and that and it's all linked together. I mean, I think the offensive line's playing better because of Mitch. I think Mitch is playing better because of the offensive line. I think David Montgomery's running the ball better because of the offensive line and vice versa. It's all connected. And so just as a system, I think a lot of that will continue this week. I know what you're saying about some of the off, uh, the college-like philosophies, but there's a lot of teams like my Titans reference earlier, like the, the heavy play action, the boots, the two or three reads, um, Amongst the receivers, it's it's you see this all over the league. Whether it's the Browns, Titans, Vikings, heck, even to a, a semi-different degree, but the 49ers have this same philosophy. It, it's this the Shanahan Kubiak thing going on too. It, it's it's not groundbreaking, but it it works for quarterbacks. It works for a lot of quarterbacks. Some quarterbacks are better in it. You need you need a certain mobility out of your quarterback, too, to, to run this system. And the Bears obviously have that in Trubisky. So I, I do think some of this carries over. And th- this is this is why I think my second question might be actually more important for this game. Because I, I l- let me just be clear. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to play well in this game. Okay. That's not my concern. My concern here is question number two. Does Chuck Pagano have an answer for Aaron Rodgers in round two? Yeah, um... I hope so. <laughs> I, I I think that is the big question. Um, so I don't know if you had a chance to to read what I wrote yesterday, kind of breaking down everything that went wrong yeah. in the fir- first meeting. Um, so you know I, I narrowed it down to a few things. One is that Akeem Hicks wasn't there, so his presence coming back 
it'll help Pagano. Um, Pagano, you could tell he was sort of, he was trying as hard as he could to confuse Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, dropping Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn into coverage on the same play, dropping eight. He's trying. Yeah, I mean, he's trying things, but um, you really need to get home with four. And I think getting Hicks back, putting putting the players in the positions that they should be in, the things they do best would be a smarter idea. And like having Robert Quinn drop back on third and 10 at the 12-yard line in a Tampa 2, like he's Brian Urlacher, maybe maybe not call that one this time, okay? <laughs> um, so I, I think Pagano will call a better game, but I still have concerns overall, just the general philosophy and some weaknesses that I, I just think they're a little too soft in coverage, and I don't necessarily see that changing. And I don't know that Pagano does the best job of scheming his pass rushers open. I think that's been proven over these, these, these last couple of years when you just see the the amount of pass rush compared to what Vic Fangio was able to create with mostly the same players. It's there at this point. But also, you know what? It's not all on Pagano. The players did not play well. Eddie Jackson yeah. did not play well against the Packers. Uh, Roquan Smith didn't necessarily play bad, but he had a quiet game. Okay, and he's playing at a much higher level. There was definitely an effort issue at times where guys were standing around waiting for somebody to make a tackle instead of flying to the football. They need to fly to the football from the first snap to the last snap in this game. Uh, and if they don't, they will lose. And so it's on the players, too. And that's why Matt Nagy called them out after that first game. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just, like, that message of personal pride. I know Matt Nagy later that week was like, no, no, I, I work with my defense. You know, let me clear clarify things. That was a straight call out of the defense. Let, let's just be clear. And it was warranted, by the way. Yes. It was warranted. Yes, yes. They got their butts kicked. And... It, yeah, it was warranted, and you can do that. Like, it's okay to do that. Everybody got all touchy. Oh, you know, Matt Nagy needed this defense, but, like, this defense set the standard. They didn't play up to that standard, and then, like, they – there were signs of, like, giving up in that game. Remember that conversation? You don't yep. want to have that type of conversation against the Packers, let alone any team. Like, But the Packers makes it more different. Yeah. But, but I pointed out in what I wrote yesterday a play in the first quarter where they're not rallying to the football. So, mm-hmm. like, I know Tony Dungy called them out, I think, by the f- late third, fourth quarter yeah. for effort issues, and there were. I mean, there was some I – mean, one touchdown run up the middle where you just had, like, five guys not even try to tackle them. It's just an awful look. But there's a play in the first quarter where they're just assuming Robert Quinn's going to make the tackle in, for what would have been a seven- or eight-yard gain. He misses the tackle. Nobody else was swarming in the football, so it turned into a 15-yard gain. Football is a very emotional game, and I think the emotions for them will be and should be extremely different for them. Your offense is playing well. It's not all on you anymore. If anything, the offense is carrying you to a certain degree, especially through through some of these football games. And, you know, you look at certain stats, and it's, it's their third down percentage and the red zone percentage, which has completely slipped over the past five weeks. And that started in Green Bay. The yeah. first half against the Packers, Aaron Rodgers was five for six. Or the Packers were five for six on third downs and three for three in the red zone. The Bears have been the one of the best or the best in the league in both those categories. So the slip started there. So it's it's on Chuck Pagano. It's on Khalil Mack. It's on Robert Quinn. 
Sign Eddie Jackson. I'm calling all the big contract guys. Kyle Fuller hasn't made an interception since week one. Roquan Smith, go show you're an all-pro guy again. Like this, this is a game where your high-paid defensive players need to play like it. Simple yeah. as that. I, I'm not afraid to say it. I mean, Eddie Jackson, because I rewatched this tape, the All-22, just two days ago. He was downright bad in the first game against the Packers. It, it like an unacceptable level. And he can play a lot better than that. So that's where if you're looking for reasons for optimism, you got Akeem Hicks coming back. You got a at least a former all-pro safety who can play a lot better than he has this season, it's especially in that game. Um, and, you know, maybe they get I'm, – I'm a little bit more optimistic that Jalen Johnson might play. But we'll see. That I think that would help. I think that would help. But it, on the flip side, Buster Screen actually made some plays in that game, and he might not be out there. So that's concerning not not have him. I agree with you though. This is the biggest question. How about I, I, number three? I think um, one more thought. Like sure. I, I think it'll help to play with the lead, um, which the Bears have over the past four weeks. Like that allows your pass rushers to be a bit different. But again, those pass rushers have to get home. No quarterback hits in the first matchup. Question number three. I like a big picture question. Okay. Third question here. You know that. So um, I kind of changed this a few times, but let's go with this because um, it's also a nice play off of what Matt Schneidman brought up about the 2013 loss in Week 17. Will the Bears ever catch up to the Packers? Because the Packers caught up to the Bears several years ago. I, I, I forget which game exactly it was, but... Remember the Bears had that long, long standing run of success against them, and their 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 record was considerably better than the Packers. But here comes Brett Favre. Here comes Aaron Rodgers, and they continuously chipped away at it, and now the Bears are behind in this rivalry. So let me ask you, will the Bears ever catch up to the Packers in this rivalry again? Well, ever, yes. I mean, there's... To, to go uh, ever, to your... ever, yeah, well... Yeah, there, there's ebbs and flows it, it, it's to go been forever. <laughs> it it it's felt like forever, but you know the the past of this history goes to show you that at some point, you and I might be long gone, but at some point, <laughs> some okay. point, the, the Bears in will our have the better careers. <laughs> will we ever cover a, a a Bears team that continuously beats the Packers? If the Bears can find their quarterback and the Packers don't have theirs anymore. Yeah. I mean, like, like I hate to simplify, but that's what this comes down to. I mean, it comes down to the Packers having Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for all these years and the bears having that long list of starters that we make fun of it. Th that's what it is. And, and so does Aaron Rodgers look like he's ready to retire anytime soon? No, he does not. But the Packers did draft his replacement and at some point, they're going to have to make some type of decision on that, whether it's probably not next year, but maybe it's a situation like with Rodgers and Favre where you're going into year four of Jordan Love's contract and you got to either play him or not play him. And maybe Jordan Love's not the next Aaron Rodgers. We, we just don't know. And that's that. unfortunately for the Bears, like that might be what it takes. Um, so will they ever? Catch up, yes. Will it be anytime everything soon? You, I don't know. I don't think so. Everything you just said was what I hope this conversation would lead to before we get to our bold predictions and picks. It's it's Jay Cutler being 
two and ten against the Packers. Yeah. It's Lovey Smith starting off with a winning record, being eight like he's eight and eleven against the Packers. But by the end of it, he had lost six straight against the Packers. Like Big reason this, why he got fired. Yes. So you you have this it's like a wall and they just can't overcome it because a lot of it's offensively. As much as we love defense in Chicago, and as much as we just talked up the importance of the defense playing well this Sunday, the offense matters, especially where this league is going. The quarterback position matters, and this is a big game for Mr. Trubisky. It's it's a it's beyond a statement game for him against this team and in, in, in this league right now. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the soundboard today. Adam is in Florida, everybody. <laughs> Where it's what seventy-five degrees. Looks like you got a little sun in your skin already. It's currently seventy-two. Oh, and uh, it's gonna be like eighty-four, I think, today. So sorry about that. I was not. I you brought it up. I over. Did. And just for the record, I'm in Florida for Northwestern's bowl game. I didn't just randomly go to Florida. Um, but. It is uh it is nice here. The weather is nice. I do not have the soundboard though, unfortunately, because I don't have my home hookup. You know, we're used to this podcast going on the road all the time, but it occurred to me, I think this is the first podcast I've done not in my office since the combine. You're in a hotel room. Does that sound right? Well, we're used to doing these podcasts together in hotel rooms. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, well, I think you've done a couple from uh, Lake. Oh, that's right? true. But yeah. you know what I mean, like on the yeah. road. Taking yeah. the pot on the road. It's been a while. Yes. Yeah, it has been a while. So hmm. hopefully we can get back to that soon in 2021. Ideally, that'd be nice. Uh, anyway, uh, bold predictions. How about pretty that? Good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Go ahead. Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson. Oh, man. Makes his debut in the interception column. This week for the Chicago Bears, it's oh. going to happen. He had um, he's had a couple close calls, like one against the Texans stands out where the Bears got pressure to Sean Watson, and like it was actually thrown right to him. I think he was a bit surprised by that. Like that's an interception, and Eddie Jackson in twenty eighteen makes maybe returns to the house. Well, and didn't he have a pick six against the Giants that came back? If we're going to go all the way back to week two, yeah. So he has a he's had a couple close calls this season, and this would be. As as you said, he's need he needs some redemption as well. He did not play well in week twelve whatsoever. So Eddie Jackson comes through with, with his first interception this season, and it's against Aaron Rodgers. Okay, um, I'm going to stick to that side of the ball as well. I'm going to say the Bears, after not touching Aaron Rodgers in week seventeen, sack him three times. Whoa, whoa, Robert Quinn action. Maybe you know what's interesting about Robert Quinn is he. He made some nice plays in the run game against the Packers. Like he flashed a little bit in that game, but that's kind of been the story of the season. Every once in a while he flashes, it's not good enough overall. I don't know who's going to get there, but I do know that Keem Hicks makes a big difference. Somebody's going to get there. I bet you Bilal Nichols gets one. Uh, maybe we see Brent Urban do his Mario Edwards, yeah, guitar yeah. thing. Mario Edwards seems to be good for a good play in the fourth quarter every week. Something like that. So I, I think they get three sacks. Okay. All right. Predictions. I think this is going to be a great game. A great game? I just don't... A great game. Okay. Great game. 
I don't think it's going to be as bonkers as it was in 2013. Like that game was crazy. And those teams weren't very good. Like I think the Bears are playing extremely well right now. I think their defense could be better. And the Packers might just be the best team in the NFL with an MVP at quarterback. So this sets up to be a pretty great game. I, I could see a lot of offensive production in this one. I just don't think the Bears are great enough to overcome. Um, I'm leaning. I, I think the Bears cover. I think what what like uh, the worst case scenario I, I, I could see playing out for the Bears is they actually have a league. And what happens is Aaron Rodgers just chips away at it. It chips away at it. And all of a sudden he has the lead like that. That could play out for the Bears. Like you're going to see some offensive success, but Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. So I like I, I've been flirting with a, a three point score here, 30 to 27. I'm gonna think, I think I'm gonna go 33 to 30 Packers in this one right now. That's how I feel at 9.05 a.m. This Thursday on New Year's Eve. Some offense. Okay. Um, first of all, the Bears are going to win this game. They need to do two things. One is they need to get a lead. You just talked about Rodgers chipping away at a lead. That might happen. The way to prevent that from happening is to control the football. So, yeah, going back and watching that Week 12 game, the thing that stood out to me is like right, the first drive of the game went took up half the first quarter for the Packers. You know, like they, Rodgers just seemed like the ball was in his hands that entire game. All right, so you got to, you can't have that. You need to convert in the red zone on your first drive and hold, control the ball. with the And that starts with the running game, right? So you got to keep that running game going. You have to keep Rodgers off the field. And you can't, let opportunities slip away. Don't turn the ball over, and when you get those opportunities, make the play. So you you touched on it earlier. Cole Komet had that drop right at the goal line. Hold on to that ball. The very next play, though, Allen Robinson had the ball in his hands and got it ripped out by the defensive back. These are You have high expectations for Allen Robinson because he's so great. That fade last week should have been a touchdown. Catch the ball. I thought it was a well-thrown ball from for Mitch Trubisky. So those are the plays that absolutely have to be made in a game like this. It goes back to what I was talking about the other day when I was comparing this to the Ohio State-Northwestern game. Like early third quarter, instead of a play being made, an interception was made. It's a huge swing in the game. So when you're the underdog like this and the other team's probably better than you, very clearly probably better than you, you have to take advantage of those, those opportunities. So... The question is, do I think that that's how it's going to play out? Um, I think it could, but ultimately my prediction is based on what I kind of know happens in this series. And the reality <laughs> yeah. is, if Rodgers does have that ball in his hands late in the fourth quarter, we, for the most part, know how that ends. So I'm going to say Packers win 27, Bears 24. Okay. I want to, like, I, I think the Bears. I think you and I are, are on the same page. This will be competitive, and the Bears can win this. Their margin of error is slim, as always, especially against this team, because Aaron Rodgers just makes Aaron Rodgers like plays continuously. But you know, like it, it is hard to like this would be the Packers' seventh win in, in a row. Like part of me almost wants to pick the Bears because it is hard to win seven games in, in, in a row, you know, and there are motivations on both sides. Um, 
if the Bears do get a lead, I wonder how things play out on the Packers' sideline. So there, there are reasons to like the Bears in this one, but history says the Packers are the Packers, and this rivalry is tilted in their direction. Don't you think the most likely scenario with Trubisky, too, is like you, you think he's going to play well? I, I, I think as a whole, he plays well, and the offense continues to mostly play well. There's probably going to be like a one bad throw or one fumble or something in the fourth quarter, right? Maybe early fourth quarter, mid fourth quarter. That is just the big mistake of the game. And whether it's actually Trubisky's fault or not, that's going to be what's fixated on all off season. Especially, <laughs> like, especially if he's coming back. But yeah, I know, I know what you're you saying. Know, like, like, isn't that the most likely outcome? He mostly plays well, but there's that one mistake that just riles everybody up, and that's yeah, what everyone I, I think on. you know, like to be positive about this, maybe the interception against the Jaguars, where let's let's be honest, that was a horrendous interception. Like, what are you doing? You, you can't do that. I understand the moment. I understand the pressure. I understand the frustrations even leading up to that point. But like. Maybe that's good for him. Got out of his system. Now he's got a lot in his system. We, we know that. But at least in that scenario where it was a must win for the Bears against a, a bad team, but they were playing well at that point. Like Maybe that helps flush some of that angst out of his system going into this one. All right. Should we pick some other games? Let's do it. All right. Let's start with the obvious one. So we'll not start at noon. We'll go straight to 325 against... The uh the Bears Packer game the one this this would be a good week if you can set it up and have two monitors going, uh, because the Cardinals head to Los Angeles they play the Rams and the Rams are three point underdog, in large part due to the fact that, Jared J- uh, Jared you got Goff it. there you go what's his name again Jared Goff Jared Goff I almost called him Jason Goff, who's probably the better Goff. At this point, uh, yeah, put him uh, at quarterback. I'm certainly among my favorite golfs. Jason's number one. Um, but uh, he's going to love that, too, because of all the people on Twitter that make that mistake. Anyway, Cardinals-Rams. I got to take the Cardinals here. I just think it comes down to quarterback play. As good as that Rams defense can be, uh, as Man, if you, I, I know you said earlier like Goff hasn't been playing well, so maybe different quarterback in there helps, or it could make a, be, a slumping offense even worse. I'm going with the Rams. Wow, to to win outright, to win outright, and that's how the Bears get in. It's I watched that that Forty ers win in almost like its entirety, and I like what they did. Like I don't think the Cardinals are very good. I think Kyler Murray has some moments that you could take advantage of, and the Rams' defense is better. This this has to be defensively driven win for the Rams. But the 49ers just beat the the Cardinals with their third string quarterback, so anything's possible in the league. And let's face it, like you said, Jared Goff has not been playing well whatsoever. That's why Jason Goff should be their starting quarterback right now. But like all jokes aside, I think the Rams will keep this competitive. And as the pressure mounts to Kyler Murray, I'm interested to see how he plays, what he does, because I think this Rams defense with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, it's very good. They're stars on this defense. I like Brandon Staley as defensive coordinator. Give me the Rams in this one. 
There's your surprise pick this week. There you go. So just so we're on record, you have the Bears playing in the playoffs next week. Playoffs? Because we both had the Bears losing, but you have the Rams losing as well, which gets the Bears in. I have the Cardinals losing as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have the Rams losing, which gets the Bears out of the playoffs. And uh, all right. Well, it'll be interesting. All right, let's go back to noon then. And the Cowboys-Giants game, which the winner of this game, I like how the NFL set this up. So this is noon on Fox, Cowboys-Giants. Giants are two-and-a-half-point home underdog against the Cowboys who have been playing better, scoring more points uh, with Andy Dalton out there at quarterback. So the winner of this game basically gets the chance to watch the night game, which we'll get to in a second, between Washington and Philadelphia. And if Washington loses that game, the winner of this game between the Cowboys and Giants goes to the playoffs. So what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. NFC East is just... (laughs) This is why I like the expanded playoffs. I don't even care if the Bears get in at 8-8. and Like I can see people having frustrations or, you know, feeling whatever about that. Like, NFC East stinks. And, like, a losing team is getting into the playoffs here. And good for the Bears or whomever getting, you know, sneaking in number seven. So I'm going to say the Cowboys because they're playing better. I think Daniel Jones is is coming back for this one or, or will be back for this one. Um, but give me the Cowboys. Um, no reason. Just give me the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to go Cowboys too. Um, I've had my – look, It's you have doubts about all these teams in the NFC East. But I thought that they the way they handled the Eagles, who had been playing better, and specifically Jalen Hurts, who – you know, has obviously been a been a spark for the Eagles. The way that the Cowboys did made just enough plays on defense. Uh, if they could do that against Jalen Hurts, they should be able to do that against you know Daniel Jones, whoever's been playing quarterback for the Giants. It's been a revolving door lately. Um, I will take the Cowboys here. And the question is, do they cover two and a half? Sure. Yeah, I'll t- I'll take the Cowboys. So then let's skip. To the night game, then, just to keep this in the NFC East. Washington at Philadelphia. The Eagles are a one and a half point home dog. And this is the Sunday night game on NBC. I'm going to say Eagles because I, I, what's, who's playing quarter? Is it Alex Smith? Like, who, who else is, like, who's their quarterback? Well, it's, I think it's got to be um, Taylor Heineke. Was that oh, his yeah. name? Who I, came saw that in? Name. I, t- I saw that name on Twitter. He played pretty week. well oh, last week, yeah, though, when he yeah. came in. But, yeah, yeah. And look, to me, this comes like, down to Alex Smith playing. I think the trend in the signs this week have been that Alex Smith will return. Uh, as much as things were going off the rails with Haskins, I'm not sure that they would have actually released him unless Smith was coming back. So, unless I'm entirely off base here. I, I Look, in that game, Washington's been a pretty good... <sighs> Let me rephrase this. Washington's defense has actually been pretty good this season. Like, if there's one unit, one unit you can count on in the NFC East, it's probably that defense. And so that's why in this game, I will take Washington to win, and they will be most likely hosting Tom Brady and the Buccaneers next week in the wild card round. There's your reward. I'm going to take the Eagles. I think it's going to be a wild one. Just uh, everything's on the table. Eagles just letting Jalen Hurts do whatever Jalen Hurts wants to do and throwing the ball down the field. Eagles in a wild one. Okay. 
there you have it. All right, now the two games uh, also at 325 that will impact the Packers and their chances of getting the one seed. We start with the Seahawks at 49ers. The 49ers are a six-point home dog. All the games we're picking here, the home team is the underdog. I'm just realizing that, including the Bears game. So who you got in this? Seahawks, 49ers. Seahawks. I think I might have been wrong about the Seahawks. Like uh, they've, their defense has gotten better over the past yes. few weeks, and Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson. Well, I mean, Seahawks are going to win this. You know, I, I don't know if they they cover, but they're winning this. So that would put them what the well, I guess it depends what happens against the Packers, but playoffs and or the Seahawks are Seahawks are a good team. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, the, to me, the bigger question here is the 49ers are just so hard to figure out. I mean, one week they're getting blown out. The next weekend they're beating the Cardinals. Um, I think they're still a well-coached team. The interesting thing is, is, as tough as the years it's been for the 49ers, like Robert Sala's probably, well, could and probably should get a head coaching job when this is all said and done. Um, look, these two teams, I'm going to go with the rivalry here and – We've seen these teams play like how week 17 was that last year or two years ago? Now I'm losing track where it came down to the one yard line in week 17. Remember that? Yeah. Um, so I just think because of that, I'm going to take the 49ers six points. They're not really at home because they're really in Arizona. Um, but I just think that these teams know each other so well. The Seahawks offense has been limited as of late so i will take uh the seahawks to win but the 49ers to cover and then finally uh also on fox 325 the saints at panthers and the panthers are a six and a half point home dog in this one saints in a route yeah i think so too but the panthers have really 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 dipped haven't they yeah they have they played played the packers tough a couple weeks ago but They have Playing their, tough and winning moments. In different, yeah. Um, they, I think they've also. We knew they were going to have some depth issues. They turned over a lot of their defense, and, and the way the Saints are humming right now on offense, yeah. I think if you had to pick a game that might be a definite blowout this week, that's probably the one I would go with. So, and no Christian McCaffrey again. Hey, the Vikings and Lions also play. And that'll wrap things up here <laughs> on the podcast. I think I'm done with the Lions for 2020. Okay. We just end the Lions. Did you oh did you see the report yesterday? There's an NFL team that wants to interview PJ Fleck. Really? That's gotta be the Lions, right? Like if there's a team silly enough to do that, it's gotta be Detroit. Can you imagine a player yeah, like Khalil just, Mack? Yeah. Like, I'm just giving an example like of a professional. Like, hey, like, Khalil, it's like, time to row the boat. Man, yeah. <laughs> PJ comes in there and goes, hey, uh, row the boat? I'll row your boat. What are you talking about, row the boat? This is the NFL. Get out of here. I had to laugh. Boats in the NFL? Yeah. And there's your Lions discussion for the week. All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Plenty of coverage up. NBCSportsChicago.com, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. That's where you should be. Check it out. Ooh, everybody breathe. Try to enjoy New Year's. Enjoy some bowl games. Citrus Bowl, Northwestern Auburn on WGN Radio. 
Check it out. Noon Central Time. Friday. Get through these next couple days. And then enjoy the Bears-Packers. Sunday's going to be fun. I'm just excited for all the It's going to be a good game. Week 17 action. And uh, we will... Are we going to try to go live? Yeah. I think we're going to go live on YouTube after the game on yeah. Sunday. Stay tuned. We'll put it on Twitter. So but, check. Uh, that's the plan. Yeah, you can find our YouTube page. Just search Hogan Johns on YouTube. Subscribe. And then uh, we'll update you on Twitter on the exact time. When we'll, when we'll do all that. Uh, but I think that's our plan right now is to go live after the game. That's, uh, I'm sure it'll be calm and a pretty boring podcast. Probably. Probably, sure. Yeah, I doubt it. Enjoy your weekend. See you Sunday. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>